Learn how to build a better sign and print shop from a few crusty sign guys who've made more mistakes than they care to admit. Conversations and advice on pricing, sales, marketing, workflow, growth, and more. You're listening to the Better Sign Shop Podcast with your hosts, Peter Kurunis, Michael Riley, and Bryant Gillespie. Before we jump into the episode, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, GCI Digital Printing, grand format printer to the trade. GCI is not your average print shop. They pride themselves on providing you a fast, stress-free experience when outsourcing. Their no excuses mindset means no matter the job, they'll have it done every time. No other vendor will go to the links that GCI does to ensure you're a satisfied customer. To hear more about their approach to business, hop back into the archives to episode nine, where the guys and I interview owner TJ Bedact about top tier customer experience. If you're looking for a high quality trade printer for banners, mesh, coroplast, and more, TJ and his crew will have your back. For jobs big or small, GCI does them all. Check them out at printgci.com. Hi guys, and welcome to the next edition of the Better Sign Shop podcast. As always, got my co-host, the Sign Shop Yoda, Mr. Pete Karunas. Happy to be here. Happy to be back. That's right. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot how to do this. Uh, I forgot how to use my microphone, forgot how to use my camera, made sure all the settings still worked. You know, this is, I think I got a couple of new cool features where if I go like this, like it'll, hey, and I get some really nice fireworks and stuff like that. But I've disabled all of that for today. Ah, well, I'm sad we're not going to get to see that. I talked with Michael. He is in the middle of a terrible sinus infection, so we're not going to have him today, but we do have a special guest. Uh, I'm a little raspy because my daughters like to cough in my face all week, so we'll just have to contend with it. But super excited to be back um, for all those listening. Oh, there's the fireworks. There you go. Love it. Yeah, for for all the listeners out there, we did receive all the emails of you guys saying, hey, when is the next episode? We just kind of took a nice little summer break that extended a little past summer. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's been a great summer for me, you know, I've been, I've met some really new people, some new clients, some new sign shop owners around the country. I'm, I've had some time to get over, you know, my, my baseball team, not making the playoffs this year. Now I'm into hockey season. So I'm, I'm enjoying the start of something new to, to take up my personal time. But, you know, like, look, it's been, it was great to take the summer off. We're like, this is a new podcast we don't, we didn't want to leave everybody, but we did want to enjoy our summer here. Uh, probably not going to enjoy next summer because we'll probably be doing a lot more podcasts through the summer, but Brian, what you've been working on, man, what you've been doing since the last time we spoke? Uh, too, too much to recount. Like I've got a lot of cool things coming out soon that I, I will share. Um, we've made some updates to our platform, which are, are really nice. But I, I don't want to keep our guests waiting too much longer. So, what do you think? All Should right. we dive in? Well, let's bring them on. Let's let's get this going. 
All right. Transition. All right, guys. Welcome back. We have our very special guest, Adam Wald from Creative Sign Design. Designs, I'm sorry. Yep. Uh, Adam, it's super nice to have you. This has been many months in the making. So yeah, I, for sure. Yep. I want to apologize first and foremost for getting you on, but we're excited to have you here. And yeah, I make. Oh, sorry. I'm excited. I'm, exci I'm excited to be on the show uh, after a long hiatus uh, and excited to, to share with you uh, some, of, some of the background that I have and some of the tips and tricks that I can uh, benefit the, uh, the listeners with. Yeah. So before we dive into the topic at hand, which is going to be managing and running an efficient art department, mm -hmm. why don't you give us a, a little backstory on you and the company? Yeah, so my background, I've been in the uh, sign industry for 23 years now. It's pr pretty much the first uh, job that I got out of high school. You know, my, my friends and I, I was kind of around the Fast and the Furious times, if a lot of you can remember that. And, uh, you know, me and my friends had some fancy cars and uh, there was a, a small speaker shop um, and, a, and a small guy that had a very small closet that was doing vehicle graphics at the time and uh, developed a good relationship with him. And uh, he said, hey, go to the sign company up you know, up the street and learn how to, you know, weed and tape vinyl and lay vinyl and then come back to me and I'll give you a job. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I ended up staying at that place for about uh, five years um, and uh, learned a lot. And that was kind of my first foray into the sign industry. I, I started without knowing a single thing or even having a clue about how signs are made or, or that there was companies that actually did that for a living. And uh, it was a small, it was a fast signs. And uh, uh, I really like working at that fast science because you get a plethora of different experiences, you know, from 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 production, installation, the customer service aspect of things, design kind of in that small uh, group setting. Um, and uh, so for probably the first two years, I just simply laid vinyl and, and things of that nature. And how I got into the design uh, arena is we had a designer on staff and uh, that designer was probably sick of me doing the same thing, but I was also sick of waiting on that designer to do recuts for vinyl and things like that. And so I was like, Hey, you know, I'm pretty tech savvy. Um, you know, technology is kind of a passion of mine. Uh, why don't you sit down with me and show me how you're doing it. Right. And uh, we had a separate uh, machine and um, he showed me how to do the recuts of the vinyl. And uh, that's kind of just where I started in the industry as far as design is concerned. I, I, I took a passion to that, uh, learning how to do the recuts. And then I was doing my own design work. And, uh, you know, before before you know it, uh, within three years, I was a designer for that particular center. Um, and then uh, uh, from there, I kind of branched out and did a plethora of different things, just kind of exploring my uh, the industry uh, within that particular franchise. I did some customer service work, some outside sales, and was trying to identify like what would be my career path here. Sales definitely was not it. Uh, I could tell you that right now. Um, and uh, uh, did a number of years as a project manager. Uh, I'm sorry, as a, as a production manager at a small franchise and uh, realizing that there was only so, so far you could go at a franchise and uh, moved on to my first commercial sign shop. Uh, it was a local commercial sign shop that did national accounts. And uh, that is what really kind of opened my eyes to what a sign company could be. Um, you know, things like Panform Faces, they had a Panform Face oven, you know, giant paint booths, you know, people actually physically manufacturing and building the signs from, you know, uh, uh, you know angle and tube and things like that. My background when I started working there, I, I was just kind of a lowly vinyl applicator. Um, and uh, uh, those of you that have worked in that franchise uh, uh, world know that the, the turn times are much more aggressive than more of a commercial sign shop. So, you know, I was running laps around everybody in the, in the vinyl shop and literally getting all the work done for the whole day for vinyl by noon. 
Um, mm. And, you know, uh, had the opportunity from that point forward, kind of twiddling my thumbs for the rest of the day uh, to experience things like uh, going out on installs and, um, and uh, you know, doing service work and things like that. Uh, but ultimately, it kind of got to a point where that company just couldn't keep me busy in the way that I wanted to be busy. And um, I went off and joined a, a company as a, in a design role doing rebranding for petroleum gas stations. Okay. And this is really where I started to kind of really understand efficiency as far as design is concerned um, and how to kind of better your workflow day to day. You know, whenever I first started working there, um, a, a majority of petroleum gas station work are components based. Uh, meaning you kind of have a brand standard and you're going to have, you know, multiple different sizes of different signs or different graphics, depending on um, the existing site conditions or even the new build site conditions. But uh, for the most part, your parts are kind of interchangeable. Um, you know, maybe the, the only thing that might change is maybe the, the, the width, the linear length or, or something along those lines. And uh, so whenever I start, yeah, first right. started working there, we had a two person design team and, uh, um, it would take us anywhere between six to eight hours to design a, a, uh, a petroleum gas station start to finish. And what I mean by that, it would be the pylon signs, all the canopy graphics, all of the pump graphics, any sort of uh, pop uh, graphics that might be around the area um, and, and those types of things. We would develop that from scratch. And uh, I worked there for about six years. Um, and by the end of the, by, by the time, what we would do during that time period is every time we would do a one-off, we would save it as a template. So a unique pump, a unique, uh, 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 gas canopy size, uh, you know, a, a unique, uh, pylon sign, uh, things like that. We would save it as a template and there'd be chances that we may never use it again, but there are that one-off chance that we did use it again. We already had done, we, we've already done the design work, right? We can essentially just kind of pull it verify that the information's correct and put it in our drawing and we're kind of done. So by the time that I left there six years later, uh, we could turn uh, full sites worth of design work uh, within 30 minutes to an hour. Oh, wow. Um, so so it was it in more than half. So it was like correct. eight hours to yes. start with and down to like 30 minutes or less. Correct. Nice. Correct. Obviously all of that's pending on good survey information and things like that and assuming that the information is correct. So that particular business, um, much like a lot of national account businesses, kind of put all their eggs in one basket or a couple baskets um, and uh, uh, um, had a couple accounts go south on them. And uh, basically, I saw kind of the writing on the wall that this company isn't going to survive in the, in, in the way that I felt comfortable sticking around. And, uh, you know, eventually uh, that business ended up uh, uh, kind of closing and I moved on to Creative Sign Designs. Um, uh, I've been with Creative Sign Designs for 11 years. Um, I've I started as a project uh, coordinator at the time, and uh, which was essentially kind of a beginner project manager. And uh, quickly, within the first two years, moved into a leadership role, and I managed our project management team. And uh, uh, from there, I, I moved into uh, managing our project management team and our estimating team. And um, and uh, basically, for the last uh, six years, I have been managing our design team uh, at the organization. Um, and uh, my background has been in design. My passion's kind of been in design. You know, I, I, I've always kind of wanted to be in this position. And, you know, uh, six years ago, there was a need. Um, at the time, I was actually managing estimating and design. And, and, and those of you that kind of work in the industry kind of understand how those two can really kind of collaborate and, and, and produce uh, something rather efficient if they're communicating and collaborating on, on a daily basis. Um, so that was kind of the thought process there. Um, and then we just grew in a way that um, I couldn't handle the estimating team uh, mm -hmm, myself. Gotcha. And I had some growth 
uh, ideas for the design team. And uh, in 2018, we uh, developed an environmental graphic design studio uh, within our organization also, uh, which is basically our fee-for-service business. So you're, you're, you're a developer, you're an end user, um, you don't really know what you want. Um, all you simply have is marketing and branding ideas, some architectural renderings of your building, your interior design renderings, um, and we will basically come up with everything for you start to finish, both interior and exterior graphics, um, all the location planning, message scheduling, you know, and, and some uh, ancillary items, things like master sign plans, retail tenant criteria, and things like that. Uh, creative sign designs. Um, we uh, we are we are on track to do roughly twenty eight million dollars this year. Um, we do uh, our primary business is architectural custom uh, interior and exterior signage. Gotcha. What set what sets us apart is we're we're a turnkey organization. Uh, a lot of larger companies either do exterior signs or interior signs, um, and uh, we do it all. We manufacture in house. Um, we manufacture all of our own, own interior signs in-house, and we do uh, the vast majority of all of our design work as well. Wow. I, well the quintessential one-stop shop. Yes. All right. Oh, I think it's a lot more than that. So let's kind of yeah. hit pause on that. Thank you so much, sure. Adam, for giving us that really nice introduction here into the eyes of what our listeners are listening to here is what creative designs is all about. I want to get into your role though for a little bit. You said you're, you know, okay, so you're well-rounded, started as a vinyl applicator, you know, you know that, you know that business, you know that side. Mm -hmm. You're not a business owner, but correct. I want to first, I want to first kind of get, I want to first ask this question and then I want you to kind of get into it a little bit, but why with so much experience, with so Mm -hmm. much um, experience in multiple, multiple different departments, you've mentioned it Mm -hmm. just before estimating design project management, you know, I'm sure you've, you can handle all departments. Why not get into owning your own place? You know, the ownership team um, at creative sign designs, um, allows me to develop my personal skill sets and the skill sets of the people on my team and allows me to develop processes and procedures outside of just not only my design team, but across the rest of the organization will help financially back that if I want to play a little bit, for lack of a better term, um, and and experiment a little bit. You know, uh, uh, Jamie Harden is the owner of our company and his his lovely wife, Melanie, is is our vice president of human resources. And they both allow me with the relationship that we've developed over the past 11 years and and some of the successes that we've seen together to develop different aspects of the business and create processes and procedures that help things run efficiently and things of that nature. And that's provided comfort for me from an income standpoint and from a a, a job safety standpoint. And that's, what's important to me and my family. You know what I mean? Um, It sounds sounds like, it sounds like, you know, you're comfortable putting on your, your director hat, your manager hat, having a voice and really being able to collaborate with such a wonderful ownership team that allow you the freedom to kind of branch off and explore other opportunities, which, you know, as an owner, you might not actually have those benefits, right? You Correct. might be, yep. you yeah. might uh, not get those times to to play mm-hmm. around in a, in a sandbox and explore different things, new technologies, and we'll get right. into that here in the future. So, but I, I want to bring us back here for a moment. Now that we kind of have sure. a little bit of a baseline to what you do, you mentioned your team, your team, your mm-hmm. team. I want to kind of talk about your team here for a quick second. I'm very interested as a graphic designer as and Brian as well. We love recovering. design, right? Recovering yeah. designer. Recovering yeah. designer. <laughs> recovering designer. Yeah. Sure. Uh, uh, one might say that 
uh, this is the foundational brick that this entire industry is built upon. Sure. You know, there, there is sales, there's customer service, right? There's the survey, there's the production, the fabrication, the install, the service, et cetera. But all of this is built on the foundation of design, right? That's the element right. that you can build a business off of. If you remove that, you know, it kind of like, it's like a house of cards. Everything kind of falls around it, right? So I want to sure. talk about your team. I want to talk about your team. We're all we're all interested in design here. Tell me a little bit about your team. How many members are there? Give me a lay of the land of how many designs you guys pump out for $28 million. I'm expecting that number to be quite high. So go it ahead and take lot. it from there. <laughs> yeah. So um, we have seven people on our, uh, what, what I would consider kind of our architectural design team. That is kind of our day-to-day queued -day, uh, design process for various different projects. It could be bid spec work. It could be design build work from scratch. Um, it could be national account work. And then uh, we have two designers on our environmental graphic design studio, and those are the more consultative design professionals. Um, those are the people that are consulting and interacting with clients directly on a daily basis, interacting with municipalities to find out what's possible and things like that. Our, our EGD team would probably do anywhere roughly 50 projects a year, uh, start to finish. Um, but on our architectural side of things, uh, uh, we are on track this year to, uh, and, and Brian, I, I know when we talked about this last time, I gave you some data from last year, but we are on track to do over 5,700 design requests. And what I mean by a design request is it could be something as simple as a five-minute revision, uh, but it could be something as elaborate. Um, and I have a couple uh, uh, people on my team right now working on projects that they've been working on for two straight months, right? Just because the, the scale at which that we're uh, uh, the scale at which of the pro which the projects we're doing right now, the complexity, the the the, uh, the coordination with our senior project management team, the coordination with our estimating team requires that much detail to be put on the job, you know, on the drawings to be able to be successful with the installation team and or when we're shipping it out to an end user. So so you said over 5,000? Is that what yes. you said? And actually, okay. he said 5,700, over 5,700. 50, over 5,700. Okay, I'm going to do the calculations here. Now, I'm trying that to do is, the calculations, and that it's is not computed yet. 814 design requests per designer. You have seven designers, Yep. 5,700 requests. Correct. Uh, over 800. Yep. That's a pretty prolific, efficient. Yeah, let's like, break that down. Let's break that down even more. How how what is that breaking down per day? So on average per if, per if design. If you figure what, what is it like, two hundred fifty one working days a year, right? Bear with me. I'm just gonna I'm gonna pull up some st st statistics. I can't give you I can't give you necessarily broken down by day, but the way that we uh the way that we um the process associated with how we design thing is we use uh, an architectural design nomenclature. So we'll, we'll do schematic slash uh, conceptual designs, and then we will move into design development, and then we'll move into fabrication level drawings. Uh, between those different larger uh, uh, kind of phases, we have, you know, uh, customer revisions and things along, you know, uh, things along those mm -hmm. lines. But just to kind of put uh, some items into perspective for you, let me just, uh, and I apologize, I, I didn't know we were going to get too far into the numbers, but I do have the numbers, which is a little bit odd for a, a, a more creative person to have. So uh, bear with me for just a second. <laughs> That's true. No, That's fine. While you're pulling that up, I'm fascinated with 5,700 requests i mean i understand yeah. what that means that's new requests that's revisions that's it is you know that that that's yeah. uh that there's two different avenues for that right so sure. 
Uh, I'd like to know if you have, uh, and just for our viewers and our listeners out there to give a little bit of a context here, seven designers, right? I mean, yep. not a lot of our shops have, or owners have seven designers, let alone two designers. Correct. Uh, you have some that are allocated to certain specific types of designs, and then you have others that maybe handle a, a wider range gambit of of design requests, right? Now, walk me through yep. that for a second. Uh, before we get into the number per day, which to me kind of sounds like you're doing like three or four requests per day per designer. At least that's what it sounds like at, to me. At a, at a minimum, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so without really getting into the numbers, that, I mean, let's agree. It's like four design requests per designer per day. So that's, Correct. you know, some that that's a lot. That's crazy a lot. All right. That, that, that's like, that's like uber crazy to me. Okay. Mm -hmm. So seeing a business like yours and having that department handle that kind of bandwidth, uh, I, I want to first ask you a little bit more detail about your team and their talents. Sure. So yep. are you hiring the type of designer that's uh, experienced? Are they designed? Like, do you have rap specialists? Do you have architectural specialists? Do you have uh, graphic designer straight out of college, high school? Tell me a little bit about your recruiting. Great tell, question, Pete. Tell yeah. me a little bit about your recruiting. Tell me about how you hire. Tell me about the type of person you look for. Go. Yeah. So I primarily hire people with uh, a, a large amount of architectural design experience, uh, specifically sign design experience. Um, we, I have been lucky in the sense that there's enough candidates available to the market um, that uh, I haven't had to train uh, somebody that's new. Uh, most of the people that I hire have this architectural signage design background, meaning they either come from a background where they've designed you know, uh, smaller or large scale ADA interior sign packages, but have a basic understanding, number one of Corel Draw, which is the primary software that we use. Um, number two, understand basic things like uh, uh, ADA code requirements, building, you know, building code requirements, and just a, a, a very general understanding of wayfinding theory in general. So how to navigate a place and, and, and how to think about how to navigate a place and play, put that on a sign. The mm -hmm. other side of it is people with this longstanding knowledge of how to build a sign and have been in the industry from quite for quite some time, uh, working in various different areas. Maybe they came from you know a fabrication a fabricator at one point and had a desire to move into to um, uh, design, um, and so they kind of already have this manufacturing background and they're able to apply that on paper. I have uh, 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 you know the age uh, span of, of the people on my team ranges from you know lower twenties up into I have somebody that's uh, uh, in their mid sixties you know and uh, uh, but their backgrounds range from having uh, you know different backgrounds um, but I'm not hiring at this point in time uh, people who do not have those experience I have enough people kind of in the bandwidth and in the hopper to hire people with the, the experience needed to to go down that route. And uh, as far as recruiting is concerned, I do um, almost all of my own uh, recruiting myself. Um, it's a combination of, you know, uh, uh, finding resumes and people that are interested in Indeed and just literally simply asking people what I do as I go on LinkedIn and I find the people that have the background requirements of what I'm looking for. And sometimes they're available to the industry and sometimes they're not. But uh, worst case scenario, they can say no. Uh, best case scenario, they're interested in talking uh, and we kind of go from there. Oh, quick follow-up for me really quick, just on the type of candidate, type of designer. Are you doing any outsourcing remote designers in your business? 
We do not currently. Um, we entertain that from time to time. We are in this transitionary period from an organization. Uh, you know, when you kind of get to this scale, uh, really the next step is to start developing more of a design engineering team who's kind of on the back end in that production area. And those people are really using things like AutoCAD and SolidWorks and things like that. It, it's kind of going beyond just the general uh, limitations of, of Corel Draw. You know, those pieces of software. Um, uh, so. At some point in the future, we're gonna shift in that direction. You know, once we get to that, from an efficiency standpoint, there's a lot of efficiencies as far as uh, fabrication is concerned. But when you start going down those uh, uh, paths of AutoCAD and SolidWorks, the efficiency from a design standpoint starts to trail off a little bit because yeah. something that you could put together in a matter of a couple hours in Corel Draw could take you a week or two to put together in SolidWorks. And now your fabricators are gonna love you because they have cut they have cut sizes, they have all the angle, you know, they have a full bill of material materials and things like that. But, uh, you know, we have to turn and burn with the volume of work that we do right now. Well, Perfect. I love it that you are a Corel Draw firm. Uh, that's yep. right. Everybody that's listening, that's viewing out there, that has watched my video on Corel Draw versus Illustrator versus Photoshop, whatever you want to do, it may not work for you, but this software is very powerful yep. for the type of shop that you want, you may want to become when it comes to sign design. Yep. The software that I believe in, I design everything in Corel Draw, so I could I could apply for a position with your firm, and no and jump right in to your environment and not skip a beat. So if he I'm, would have you, Pete, if he would have yeah. you. <laughs> so if you, would, if you would graciously accept my resume, <laughs> yes, I would be your eighth designer. Mike's a Mike's a Corel Draw guy too. And uh, Mike's, unfortunately, Mike's Adam he couldn't he couldn't make it today because he's got a terrible sinus infection. That's but fine. I, I think one of the things that stood out to me of, of what you just said, and, and like how many times have you heard this, Pete? It's hard to find good people. Mm -hmm. I can't find oh, good every, people every, to work every, in my shop. Every Tuesday and Thursday. Pretty every much Tuesday and Thursday. every Tuesday and Thursday. Yes, that's approximately at eight thirty in the morning. Yeah, I mean, what I, what I would <laughs> what I would say to those people personally is, you're not looking for them. You're Spirit. waiting for them to come to you. It, that's yeah. That was going to be my point exactly. Right. It, it, I just heard you say you're going out and hunting these people. Yeah, I don't put LinkedIn. an ad. I don't put an ad out or anything like that. I, I go and I prospect the per, the exact person based on their background that I want, and then I start and then I go from there. And that's so you're, that's. So you're that's what I tell everybody. Person. I am hunting after that person. Wow. I am that, finding the a... skill set that I, I need on my team, and then I go mm -hmm. after that person. That's a very unique what? approach. Definitely something that a lot of our viewers and listeners here can take, a, uh, take away from. If you're a shop that you're looking for a graphic designer, if you are if you just fired a graphic designer and you need somebody to replace that person, it's so easy to get sucked into the remote designer you know outsourcing your work it's so it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole but you need somebody in your shop you need a player you need a voice you need somebody that can be your guiding light in this in this business that we call the sign industry and there might be a different way about going after that person. And, and just like you said here, Adam, it's more of a, I want you approach. You're the type of person Correct. that I want working for me. Instead of putting an ad out and, and fielding and farming resumes, you're going after a specific type of person based off, I'm, I'm assuming you're using LinkedIn for something like yeah, this. Yeah, it's, 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 it's between LinkedIn and, uh, you know, there's a pay tier of Indeed, you know, where you can be 
quite a bit more specific about your search criteria. And, and then I essentially, I've, once I find the person's name, I do some research on LinkedIn and I typically reach out to them on LinkedIn instead. Um, and that's kind Wonderful. of my process. Um, and, and, it, and it's worth the very minimal cost uh, for Indeed to, to at least explore it for a month and, and see what kind of net benefit you get from being more aggressive and trying to reach out to those people that you want on your team rather than, you know, put out an ad and get and, and field a bunch of people that may never actually be qualified to do the job. All right. Well, that's a huge takeaway. That's a huge takeaway yeah. for our our listeners. So, Brian, go ahead. Uh, what's what's the average turnover for you and your art department? It's pretty low. Um, you know, I, I am I am going through. I, I have one person leaving me right now. But uh, as far as across the organization, um, it, it, it is probably the lowest turnover outside of our current sales team. Gotcha. Amazing. Amazing. Low yeah. turnover, a very specific type of hunting recruiting strategy for a $28 million operation that has a seven t designer design, soon to be eight designers <laughs> on your team, on their team. Amazing. Amazing. So tell me a little bit more about your processes. I, I, all right, let's dive into that side of this coin here a little bit. Uh, tell me, tell our listeners how inquiries come in walk us through your workflow you're so involved you were involved in the sales side and i'm sure you understand how that side of that coin works so kind of walk us through mm -hmm. the beginning and the front end of your workflow for your business or your yeah so so um the way our, our current company works is it, it kind of depends on the type of business that we're getting in at any given moment in time the, the where i'll kind of lead the conversation is more on our design build so our customer doesn't really have anything right uh, they might okay. have some brand assets they might have some architectural renderings of a building. They might have some existing photos of a building or existing photos of some signs that they might want to, to, to revamp. We have uh, a fairly elaborate process, uh, a fairly elaborate process, but it's lean at the same time, because if it's too elaborate, people aren't going to follow it, right? And a lot of the processes and procedures that I'm going to describe to you today don't work without buy-in from the whole organization, right? I can't just be creating and developing design team processes without interaction from the other departments that have to interact with that team, right? So a lot of what I'm going to describe to you has been thoroughly discussed with our, our sales, our, our director of sales, our director of project management, our production teams, and even installation teams to, to develop a process that we feel like works best for our organization. So and as far as going through the process, we, we uh, from start to finish, we use uh, smart sheets um, for a queuing system. Um, and uh, I have developed a, a simple way to QR tasks uh, for the entire team. It also lets me develop metrics for individuals and for by different phases that I described earlier on in, in, in uh, our conversation. Uh, but essentially our, our account management team and our project management team have a, a digital form that they can fill out. Um, and as they submit that digital form, it basically goes into our design team's queue. Some different uh, 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 criteria that are on those forms is, you know, the, the, the customer name, the address, the, uh, the, uh, a very brief description of the scope of work, because that's not really where we're describing what the designer needs to do, to do the value potential of the project or a budget that might be in mind uh, for that particular project. And then we have uh, the account manager involved and then who might, who might request because um, it could be an account manager or it could be a project manager that's a, uh, uh, requesting that particular uh, design uh, task to be done. So I guess people are asking, well, why do you need all that information? Uh, well, so this is where some of the automation as far as the smart sheet comes into play. So basically, as a designer, as, as a task is assigned to you, you'll get a notification via email. And you'll also be in the queue day to day and you could sort by your particular job. And uh, you also get updates. If I decide to change the date 
or there's updated information, you'll get a notification regarding what that, inf that what information changed during that time period. Uh, but also on the back end, as we complete that particular task, uh, anybody that is in that requested field on that smart sheet will then be notified that the job is completed also. So, and it's all real time too. Any questions on that so far? Mm, no, I, I like okay. hey, smart sheets. I'm familiar with it. Um, yeah. I haven't dove into it uh, very deeply, but uh, I know some people who have. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we decided on smart sheets as an asset because it creates a lot of flexibility for us to do what we want to do, right? Gotcha. Um, now, does the, so, the whole organization use smart sheet as well or just so your department? As of right now, our, our project management team, our permitting team, and our production team all use smart sheets currently. Uh, we are gotcha. in the process of looking at some other solutions, uh, but that is what we all currently use. And it's primarily just because of the customizability. Uh, we are a very report-driven organization, very metric-driven organization, and allows us to do all that stuff in an automated way on the back end. So, you know, like I said, I can I can break down the quantity of those uh, uh, different design requests by individual uh, 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 design phase and then break that down by individual designer by design phase also. I just set that all up at the beginning and now it just kind of does the work for me in the background. Um, so that's kind of the initial kind of request process. Now, this is where from an organization standpoint, we start to get into, um, and a lot of a lot of people can kind of relate to this is, okay, well, how do you manage the quality of the information that's coming in, right? I think it's very important for anybody in the role that I have at an organization or even smaller organizations that just have an individual designer to review the information as it's coming in, right? So uh, uh, I am reviewing every single design re request as it comes in. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to set that designer up for success when they actually get to it. So there's various different things that I'm doing. I am reviewing the quality of the request and making sure it makes sense, right? Because uh, mm -hmm. what good is a design request if you can't even understand what you're supposed to do there, right? And what I'll do is I will connect with the person that requested it, get clarification and, and, and either have them rewrite the design request so that it does make sense, or I will rewrite it in a way that I feel like is going to make the most sense to my designer, right? I'm also reviewing any assets that might be submitted during that design request, pieces of artwork, you know, uh, making sure uh, that uh, if there's custom fonts that might need to be used, that I'm downloading them or at least providing uh, a description of where that designer might be able to access them via Adobe Fonts or, or one of those types of things. And then uh, uh, if it does happen to need vector artwork, uh, we handle that a, a multitude of different ways. If it's something rather simple, we'll recreate it ourselves. If it's a more corporate brand and I know that they probably have the logo somewhere, I'll kind of push back on the requester to go get the actual vector artwork. Um, and then if it's something elaborate and our customer just can't do anything with it, and I feel like it's going to take our team, you know, anywhere between an hour or two hours to recreate, I basically outsource the vectorization. I like to think of my design team in the same way a lot of sales teams think of their salespeople as what can they generate per revenue hour? And, uh, you know, if I think of a designer that could produce $5 million worth of designs in one year, that's an X amount of uh, 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 value per hour to me. And if our client isn't paying that amount to do that vectorization, then it's better off that a vectorization company does it for the minimal cost that they can do it for. So yeah. um, don't tie up your team on stuff that's not. Right, uh, right, right, right. Um, so once I've basically identified that the information is either of a quality nature um, and or and or provided assets required to successfully do that, I will then go ahead and schedule it. And I aggressively schedule my team. I push them every single day. Obviously, with the volume of work that we do, I have to. And a lot of what you have to do is you have to learn your strengths and weaknesses of the people on your team. What are they good at? What are they quick at? 
and then assign the work according to that, right? Um, so like for the most part, um, I can I can schedule my team within the hour kind of thing. So if, mm -hmm. if I have a designer that I'm like, okay, I think this particular job is going to take them roughly six hours. They're working eight hours a day. There's two other jobs that I know I can squeeze in that are going to take them anywhere between 30 minutes and an hour. I'm going to go ahead and schedule those jobs for that for that same day, right? Um, so that's how we start to be very aggressive with our turn times too. You know, the vast majority of our work is turned around within two two business days from a design standpoint. There are there's obviously different circumstances where the project is larger, uh, but across the different um, uh, uh, phases of design that we do, we turn most jobs around within two days, uh, and that could be a fabrication level drawing, a conceptual drawing, or or what might be. So. As a designer, as you're getting that notification and now you're starting to work, how do you work efficiently when you get that information? Well, we've created a lot of assets as, as an organization. You know, we do, like I said, we do interior and exterior signage. We have developed a lot of sales um, tools that also help the estimating uh, uh, process um, because a lot of what, I've, what we find is a lot of the time, while customers are very involved in what their signage looks like, People just want to get to a number so they know how much they're going to have to spend, right? <laughs> so, Agreed, yeah. so, so, so we've developed a lot of assets and tools to help get to that number. And uh, it's in the form of, of basically templates. So we have interior signage templates. It might not be exactly what the client wants, but we've done enough interior sign jobs to be able to, to, to develop, you know, s some full design packages of all the sign types that might be required for different market segments. And, um, and uh, they have materials sizes on them, things like that. So our sales team could sell that number. And then what it does is it puts guardrails from a design standpoint on the types of materials, the sizes, things like that, that they have to design within, right? So that's one of the tools that we use to help kind of the sales process be a little bit more efficient and then provide us essentially kind of an outline scope of work as far as materials and, and sizes that we can design within. And then uh, just collective creative assets. Everybody's been in that scenario where you're kind of burnt out and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to do one more option for this. And I just, I just can't think of mm -hmm. anything, right? Um, what we do or what we try and do is we try and collect assets that weren't used in the past. So for the most part, most of our conceptual designs, schematic designs are, are um, we do three options one selected mm -hmm. and then those other two just kind of go by the wayside, right? So what we try mm -hmm. and do is we try and collect those options and uh, potentially utilize them on other jobs that might be applicable and using different finishes and things like that. We also have a lot, have a lot of uh, inspirational uh, assets um, for interior signs, exterior signs and things like that to help uh, inspire the design team to create something unique based on uh, what other, um, you know, uh, other inspirational images, things like that. I, I like the fact that you are like constraining the design process because that's it really like hey, when I look at design, like that's a challenge in signage is it like you're you're only limited to what you can build basically right and, and unless you like design is like it works best when you're constrained to something so right. it, like when i was in the print shop like designing a t-shirt take me like 20 minutes right because it's like hey it, i've got a 10 by 14 area and it's it's got to be one to eight colors right Mm -hmm. But with signage and especially the type of work that you guys do, where it's everything interior, everything exterior, like there's a lot of decisions that have to be made there just there for, there really for every sign. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, essentially what I'm trying to do from managing the team is I'm trying to take 
the scenario where a designer is sitting there trying to figure out what they need to design and they can actually spend the time designing it, right? Um, so they have all the assets, they have all the inspirational uh, 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 imagery or uh, you know interior design, mood boards, finishes, things like that, that they need to, to, to be able to just go in and start designing rather than sitting there and, and, and really trying to figure out what they need to design to begin with. And, and that's kind of been my motivator of, of, of developing a more efficient team by reviewing those documents ahead of time to prepare them for success and knowing that they can open up the design request. All the assets are going to be exactly what they're expecting and they can just move right into design. Gotcha. Now, like some of these templates that you've developed, like, are, are mm -hmm. you including that when you schedule that request or they're like going and hunting that down? Like we have, we basically have it as a, 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 a global template that everybody kind of knows about. Our sales team is using it when they're doing their count takeoffs on the very, on the, on the very front end of the project. Um, and, uh, and then our design team will essentially know that it's the available asset that was used during that time period and to design within those constraints. Right. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. So uh, it, like, what does the, or what's the day to day look like for you guys within the department? Like, is it? I mean, it's pretty chaotic, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, you know, it, it is um, it is uh, lots of manipulating the schedule. Um, I am I am in the schedule all day, every single day, um, and I I basically have some uh, conditional formatting that allows me to visualize things as they come in. And, uh, you know, depending on the scale of, of, of what the request is, you know, as of right now, and really kind of since March, I've been basically designing all day, every single day, just because of the volume of work we have going on. But uh, if, if it's something rather simple, and I can keep the rest of my designers out of it, and have them working on the more elaborate, longer scale, longer term projects, then I'm going to do it myself. So I, as that information comes in, I'm immediately reviewing it. If the assets or the information isn't clear, I'm immediately getting with the person that requested it so I can attack it right away, right? We attack our design queue on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, if you spoke to the people on my team, sometimes, you know, it, it, it's it's a little overwhelming for them, uh, but uh, they do a great job of staying ahead. And, and uh, in my opinion, from a creative standpoint, if you can stay ahead and you don't have this burden of just this backlog of design work to do, you can be your most creative and 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 produce the best quality product and that's what that's what we're trying to do yeah one question i've got that's came up a lot for our folks that are they do everything like you guys do mm -hmm. how are you juggling like this this request is going to take 20 minutes and i've got 12 yep. of those that need to go out in the next six hours versus yep. like hey this project is a longer project that's going to take a couple weeks to get all the assets but we've got to mm -hmm. make progress on it every single day to make sure that we hit the the timelines, I think it's it's uh, obviously this is where kind of manipulating the schedule and having a team that is on board with potentially doing other people's work. I think in a perfect world, everybody wants to be able to start their same project and finish it. Also, um, but uh, you can imagine with the volume of work and 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 the complexity of custom signage that that's just not the way that the real life you know the real world works. So you know, I have I have a particular designer right now that's been working on a two month long project and is is essentially kind of just. Uh, on call, for lack of a better term, waiting <laughs> gotcha. for information from the field to be able to attack because of, we have a very tight schedule to get the job done. So I can't put her on any large project right now. So she just basically fills in smaller things from time to time, quick revisions, you know, quick schematic designs and things like that, as she's kind of waiting on that larger piece of information. Um, and I have, I've essentially kind of cleared her schedule 
and any projects that I would normally have her work on, I've basically uh, uh, either delegated to the rest of the team or I'll knock them out myself, depending on the complexity of it. Gotcha. Yeah. So having, well, uh, you guys have seven designers, but it's essentially do. like a, like the six man on a basketball Correct. team or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's smart. Mm -hmm. Um, what, uh, do you have any other like tips and tricks that you would like, like what, what would your advice be to somebody who maybe has one or two or three designers, you know, they've got a small design team, which is, I, that's probably I, the average. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I, I, pers I personally think that developing assets ahead of time is one of the key differentiators um for our particular team to be able to be successful and efficient right so we have developed um uh, design manufacturing standards for a lot of the common side types that a lot of people are using in architectural signage you know your flat cutout letters what are our tolerances what kind of thicknesses what kind of studs are we going to put in different thicknesses and things like that um, channel letters pylon signs monument signs having a standard um, to start with in my opinion is the best uh, way to uh, manage the fabrication level drawing process, which tends to take a little bit longer than some of the other processes are concerned. And having buy-in from your, man your manufacturing team, or in the cases where you might be outsourcing fabrication, developing and coordinating with them. And I promise you, your, your, your wholesale customers or your wholesale uh, manufacturers are going to be interested in that because they're, they're the net result of what you're producing, right? So if they have their own section views and things like that, that you could be borrowing from them to include in your drawings, it's going to, only going to make their shop more efficient also, right? The other thing um, also is communication across the whole organization. Um, like I said, none of the processes and procedures that, I, that I'm describing to you today work unless you have buy-in from the sales team, the account management team, or even if it's not a team, if it's just a salesperson in general, you know, developing yeah. a good workflow between design and sales is a key part of your process and the growth and development of your of your sales team and the growth and development of your design team your design team understands why sales you know the, the types of assets that a sales team needs to be successful from a sales standpoint then it's kind of perfect harmony from a, from an efficiency standpoint um, and then on the back end if your production team is collaborating providing feedback on specifications that we're including uh, or not including and uh, uh, can help us fill in that gap and create a better standard so that we, we don't either keep making the same mistake or we're creating a more streamlined design environment, um, then it's beneficial for everybody as well. And then the other thing that I would say is, uh, one, one other differentiator for us is, uh, you know, Jamie and Melanie have allowed our design team to purchase things like stock photo subscriptions and things like that. And, uh, you know, those are just kind of the, 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 the spicier ways to, to, to enhance and embellish, you know, your, your kind of basic boring interior sign uh, 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 project that, that most people are just doing kind of one color backgrounds, you know, one color tactile copy on, you know, we have the ability to go in and out of these, you know, uh, stock photo websites and, and, and get, you know, textures and different vector art, stock vector artwork and things like that and apply them to our designs to really embellish them. Um, and we've, I've created a couple assets to, to really show our design team how, you know, here's how we were doing things in the past, you know, in the past with just kind of basic solid colors. And here's how you can really transform a design using some of these very basic embellishments that we are able to pull from these uh, different assets that we can, that we have unlimited access to. Uh, nice. Yep. Um, I think, I think we actually had, what was the was it communication breakdown, Pete? Like one of those episodes that we had, like the, the, the biggest drop is usually the handoff between departments. And yeah. it seems like you guys have mastered it. 
like what are the specific things that you guys are doing to facilitate that communication across departments so um we do a we do a number of different things number one i basically coach my team that regardless of how simplistic the design request that's been written to you is, I want you to call the person and verify that that's exactly what they want, right? Um, so that helps break down some of the initial assumptions, regardless of how simple it is. And, uh, you know, we are talking on a regular basis with the people that are requesting these designs. Um, and, and, and I don't know if I share this with you, but the vast majority of our design team is remote. And so we are interacting with our sales team and our project management team, you know, through teams calls and, and uh, on a regular basis. I mean, I, 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 I make 40 or 50 calls a day to people to get clarification, just make sure I'm on the right track from a design standpoint, because we are reading and interpreting something that's, you know, uh, something that somebody else wrote, right? Um, and it could be something as simple, you know, I had a conversation on just a very basic 18 inch by 24 inch aluminum sign on a post and panel sign this morning. And I was like, are you sure this is how you want this to look? And I could share my screen and get feedback in real time from that particular person and, you know, got the confirmation that, yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Now I can close out the design request and send them the proof and I'm done. Right. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is when we get into some of the larger projects or some of the more complex projects, we have a project kickoff meeting. And that's where we have an opportunity for our project management team or a project manager that's been assigned to the project, representatives from the production facility that might be involved in the manufacturing of that, uh, the estimator that estimated the project, and then the an assigned designer to basically sit down together and say, how do we want to accomplish this, right? And uh, uh, it could be in the form of here are the value engineered options that were offered during the estimating period, um, or here are some technical difficulties that we might experience during this process, and we need to we need to work together to develop solutions to make this actually successful. Um, and we've started to do that quite a bit more on uh, on the vast majority of our larger projects, and uh, we've seen a lot of success. Um, it gives production an opportunity to communicate how they might want to build something that might be different than how a designer might want to build something, uh, so they get a say in the process, and then. Furthermore, it's creating buy-in when that job actually hits the shop floor. They're not blindsided by some wild manufacturing method that they've never heard about before, right? It also gives an, op an opportunity to identify materials and or manufacturing methods that we want to proceed with, but we don't have the capabilities internally to do and decide where we want that capability to go to from, you know, from an outplant standpoint uh, 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 to, to outsource that particular manufacturing method. So I think those two areas uh, for us is are one of the key uh, parts of, of trying to prevent miscommunication. Um, but I would say just the key takeaway in general is just the collaboration of the person that might be requesting that. Um, and in and, and those cases where you don't have that kind of buffer zone of somebody requesting that, go, getting on a Teams call or a Zoom meeting with the client and just saying, hey, look, I, I want to make sure that we're on the same page or, you know, just a, a simple email of like a, a, of a of a screenshot of the proof or whatever, uh, just to make sure you're on the same uh, the right path with the client before you kind of finish that thing. Uh, yeah, yep. I, I think you might have mentioned the remote thing to me previously. Yeah. I forgot to include that in my notes, but mm -hmm. is that part of the reason why you can like go out and hunt these specific people as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. So, you know, like I said, Melanie and Jamie have been very trusting in my uh, methodology as far as recruiting is concerned. Um, we've had a lot of success for with it. And uh, while where I live, which is in the Tampa market, 
uh, the Tampa, Florida area, there is a ton of sign shops. I think I think the last time we looked, it was probably it's probably well oh, yeah. over 200, 200 sign shops. Uh, there's a plethora of different people to uh, choose from, but not with the very niche type of business that we're involved with right now. You know what I mean? Um, I can find, uh, you know, a plethora of different people to do, um, you know, vehicle wraps and things like that. But um, the the it starts to get a little bit nichier when you need somebody to build a monument uh, signed from scratch uh, on, on a, you know, in Corral. Uh, sure. Absolutely. Yep. So as we try to hey, bring this one to an end, and I, mm-hmm. I feel like we could probably talk for hours, man. Oh, for sure. Just like a fountain of knowledge about the <laughs> the industry. But you know, like I, I've been watching AI over like the mm-hmm. last six months and like things are like starting to go at a way faster rate than what I thought yeah. they were. Are you guys leveraging any like AI day to day or anything yes. like that? Do you have plans <laughs> to like, so thoughts I, on it? So, so I, I mean, for the first time with some of these new features um, and, and I was on the beta for, for Photoshop and Illustrator where they started to integrate some of the generative AI, um, I found like actual useful purposes for the AI. Um, and that is essentially, you know, when you're doing like wall graphics or something like that, and your client is providing you like kind of a low resolution JPEG, and you want to blow that up to the best of your ability. N- number one, to to try and, you know, create a vector version of that to clean it up a little bit, um, but to just kind of fill in that gap of area that you're trying to to, to, to fill in, right? Um, and also when you're trying to edit photos and things like that, and you're trying to get very complex objects out of it, um, oh, I've yeah. found the generative AI tools to be absolutely mind blowing for their ability to do stuff like that. And I know Illustrator has just started to dabble in it, and uh, I haven't personally had any uh, useful success with it. But uh, you know, uh, Illustrator has come a long way from some of the initial betas, even when they had kind of uh, some of the initial measuring tools and things like that. So uh, I, I'm confident that at some point they'll have some real practical uses for it. Uh, but currently, I haven't found a particular practical use as far as AI, at least in what we're doing currently. Gotcha, gotcha. Yep. Like, hey, what are your thoughts? Just like, a, you know, being a student of design and like a lo- lifelong lover of design. Like, mm-hmm. what are your? Do you have concerns on AI? Like. I, I don't. Um, I think if we were probably more in the graphics world and things like that, um, and, and a good chunk of our business was more in kind of that printed graphics world, I, I, I might be a little bit more concerned, just more from a design standpoint. But uh, with the complexity of things, I mean, I, I would I would welcome some AI tools to be able to develop the ability to, you know, uh, space out angle and a monument sign and stuff like that like just i want that right now (laughs) you know what i mean um so until it gets to that point or like you know you you get some of the bigger companies like um you know or you get like a bigger company like autocad or solidworks and you know one of those companies starting to integrate some of that into what they're doing Mm -hmm. um so you're not having to build some of that stuff from scratch you know then we'll probably take a, a harder look at it yeah yeah, yep. I, I, that kind of lines up with my thought. Like you guys are like so far on the like specific, well, specific dude. like niche scale that it's like. Yeah, but know, he a, just a, he just poked the bear, you know. Yeah, he, the he just poked the bear. You see, I, he just I, he just put everybody, every one of those companies on high alert and said, "Get your AI shit together." Yeah, and, and, get it together. <laughs> And and you know, I, I, while I love Corel, I wish they did more development in that area. They they oh, tend my. they tend to they tend to not play around as much as an you know a, 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 as much as Adobe does. You know what I mean? You know, uh, but uh, I, I wish they would integrate something you know a little bit more futuristic like that. But I, I don't foresee that anytime soon. Yeah, I, and for the work that you guys do, especially like on the fabrication side, it's yeah. 
like I, I wouldn't trust the AI enough to like maybe it maybe give you a concept to like yeah. look at and, and right. design off of, but I, yeah, it, like it's still too too much of an estimate or a guess on everything. Yeah. Knowing how long it took Corel Draw to come up with a Mac version after saying that they would never have <laughs> right. a Mac version, uh, <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure that that's like 20 years away. <laughs> sure. So, so the uh, one one last final thing, and and this is one of the reasons, Brian, why why I reached out to you from the last automation, um, and 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 we didn't really talk about automation, although we talked about AI, but I just want to cover this piece because I think it's a pretty big game changer for a lot of organizations, and uh, you know, my my company would probably kill me if I told you this, but bear with me for just a second. So. One of the things that you guys complained about last time, and this is specific to interior signs, is having to type all the signage out, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Manually. You don't, you're wasting your time. Okay. So most of the time you have some sort of document, an Excel spreadsheet, a Word doc, something along those lines that tells you the messaging for those particular jobs. I'm not going to tell you the particular um, plugin, but there is a plugin for Corel that allows you to tie an Excel spreadsheet to very individual pieces of your drawing in Corel and have it type everything out for you automatically. So you don't have to typeset anything ever again. We'll have to look that up and put it in the show notes, Pete. Yeah. So we we, we can't get Adam killed, obviously. but <laughs> So basically, you got 1,700 signs. You can basically make Excel spreadsheets by individual sign type assign those specific messages to a type field um, in Corel Draw, and then just click a button and it'll type out everything in the same font, the same height, the same message. You can even have a drop down a line if you want for those sign types that require a multi-line, uh, a drawing set. Um, so that yeah. that to us has basically saved a three-person hiring um, for our design team from an efficiency standpoint. Yeah, that's really nice. I didn't know those tools existed in Corel yeah. Draw. Like yep. I, I used to have... Um... We, we, when I would do uh, booklets and things like that in the print shop, mm-hmm. uh, we had tools like InDesign and there was a, yeah. a couple of other like specific built tools that would sure. do variable data over all yep. those. But I didn't know yeah. – they were never available in Illustrator, which is what I was in 90% of the time yeah. anyway. Yeah, I mean you're, you're on the right track uh, as far as that's concerned. Um, there's just – there's a particular plugin suite um, that uh, that um, is is – I believe fairly well known. Um, and uh, there's a particular tool within that plugin suite that allows you to do this. Um, and it's a pretty big game changer. Sweet. Yep. Adam. Hey, wow, man. Yeah. This has been a great episode. Um, a good episode for Pete and I to get back in the saddle. Sure. We appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah. What's the future for you guys? Like what's the future for you? What's the future for creative designs? Yeah, I mean, so we're, yeah, yeah. So we are, we, we continue to grow. Um, You know, we are, uh, we were tracking to be 20% ahead of where we were this time last year. We are, we are, we are growing our our national account sides of the side of the business as well. And, uh, uh, you know, we continue to uh, look to expand outside, you know, we we do business all over the United States, but we continue to, we want to continue to expand from a shop standpoint outside of, uh, you know, uh, all over the United States. And that's kind of where we're headed right now. Um, As far as design is concerned, probably the next steps are are that more design engineer uh, position that I described earlier in the business, you know, somebody that is doing more detail work Um, right now, kind of it's spread across the rest of the whole entire design team, Uh, but having really a department that's dedicated dedicated to doing, you know, fabrication level detail um, and details. Uh, so those people that are on my uh, regular design team that, that are more creative don't have to worry about those types of things anymore. And and bit more utilizing things like AutoCAD and, and SolidWorks in our shop day to day. Nice. Yep. Yeah, love that. Mm-hmm. Pete, 
Any closing questions, arguments, comments? You you kind of took the win from my sales there. This is a great. This was a great episode to jump right back on the saddle here, Adam. Uh, I'm 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 submitting my resume to your uh, shop here today. Okay, I I, I love okay. what you guys, I love what you guys got going on. I love that you're you're involved with some really interesting tools. Smartsheets, I'm familiar with it. I think it's a great tool, a, mm-hmm. a collaboration tool, team communication sure. tool. Love love that you have some automated in your uh, alerts, notifications in, built in your system. I wish more and more people would take a page out of that book. But thank you again for jumping on here and giving our audience a little bit of a sneak peek into what their shops could eventually be by just learning a little bit about what you have got going on there at Creative Design. So just want yeah, to say I thank you I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Yep. All right. That's a wrap. All right. All right. Thanks, thanks guys. All right. See ya. That's the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd like to give one final shout out to our sponsor, GCI Digital Printing, grand format printer to the trade. GCI is not your average print shop. They pride themselves on providing you a fast, stress-free experience when outsourcing. Their no excuses mindset means no matter the job, they'll have it done every time. No other vendor will go to the links that GCI does to ensure you're a satisfied customer. To hear more about their approach to business, hop back into the archives to episode 9, where the guys and I interview owner TJ Bedact about top-tier customer experience. If you're looking for a high-quality trade printer for banners, mesh, coreplast, and more, TJ and his crew were small, GCI does them all. Check them out at printgci.com. If you liked this episode, make sure you hit subscribe to get all the latest episodes. And check out our website, bettersignshop.com. Get free resources and helpful tools on growing your shop. Thanks for listening.